In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope your day is going beautiful. I hope that you found a way to solve that problem that's been bothering you. I hope the sun is shining down. I hope that you realize you're so much more than a race from the hospital to the graveyard. Your life is about to get so amazing. I know it. Trust me. I don't care if you're having a bad day right now. It's about to get awesome. True Life Podcast. And I have for you today something incredible. I would love to introduce to not only those that are watching, but those that may be listening, I would like to introduce Charles Ponty, a visionary, multidisciplinary, creative with a profound impact on the realms of software, design, product management, and content creation. With a distinguished career characterized by a relentless commitment to innovation, Charles has left an indelible mark in multiple industries, including finance, healthcare, content creation, and social networking by crafting products that resonate with millions of individuals worldwide. Beyond his remarkable work in product development, he's a thought leader and a commentator in the ever-evolving digital and media landscape. He shares his insights through compelling writings, guiding us through the intricacies of our tech-centric world. His passion for meaningful conversations extends into the realm of podcasting, where he hosts engaging discussions on a wide array of topics. Furthermore, Charles' creative spirit transcends boundaries as he curates mood-enhancing playlists that speak to the heart of the soul. In addition to his digital pursuits, Charles Ponty is a dynamic artist producing contemporary works that challenge conventions and provoke thought. His multifaceted contributions are a testament to his dedication to pushing boundaries, inspiring creativity, and fostering positive, positive, positive change in our interconnected world. Charles, thanks for being here today, my friend. How are you? My pleasure. My pleasure. I'm doing great. Doing great. Happy to be here. I'm here in London. Here in London, away from home, traveling, All right. creating, <laughs> working with new teams. Amazing. So before we start digging into some of these intricacies, mm -hmm. 
maybe you can give us a little bit of a background. Like what, what, what got you to be where you are, man? Like who inspired you? Were, you? were you the guy that grew up and you were drawn on the wall and your mom was like, Hey man, don't be drawn on the wall. Like, what was it, man? Like what got you to be where you are today? Uh, yeah, I think like as a kid, man, what was I like as a kid? I was a terror. I was an absolute, Imagine absolute that. terror. Yeah, it's uh, unsurprising, unsurprising. Most people who see me and talk to me for like five minutes can surmise that I was probably <laughs> the unruly uh, kid, youngest, youngest child, you know, grown up to a single mom who didn't have like the time <laughs> to kind of deal right. with my antics. Uh, but yeah, I think I was just always... My, you know, it's a, it was a stark contrast because, like, my sister's, like, it kind of makes sense. You know, she's the older child, had to look after me. You know, she's a very, like, classic Leo, you know, plays by the rules, yep. <laughs> very yep. buttoned up. And I'm, I'm like a classic Aries, like, rules. I, I want to know the rules so that I can deliberately break them as soon as I hear them. Like when I hear rules, it's like a checklist of things for me to do to break. <laughs> Love it. Um, yeah, just always, always doing something new. I think that was from the beginning. I have like, I'm either I'm super interested with everything and then immediately bored once I've gotten very good at it and like, okay. On to the next thing. What can I learn? What can I do? What can I put out there? Uh, yeah, just just keep moving. I think there was a movie called Meet the Robinsons, uh, okay. animated movie. I think it was Pixar or DreamWorks, one of those. Um, and the quote, the whole like quote, the like moral of the story was keep moving forward. And I think that's that's kind of always been my thing. Keep moving forward. Do it creatively. Do it happily. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I love to get a little bit of background and I think it helps build out the framework for the individual with whom we're kind of investigating today. And yeah, you know, when I think of moving forward, I think of Dory, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. You know what I mean? <laughs> like exactly. it's such good advice. Exactly, exactly. You know what's great about Dory is that she does she has this like well, there's a whole conspiracy theory okay. about Dory where like, you know, she's forgetful, you know, five second memory or or whatever it is. Uh, but there's a whole conspiracy theory that Dory actually doesn't have short-term memory. <laughs> she actually remembers everything, but she just doesn't want to worry about the past. She's so like, I'm going to be super focused on the future and be super positive and, and over-focusing on the past forces you to like stay stuck and become negative and pessimistic. Um, so that's like the whole conspiracy theory around Dory. And I feel like it makes sense. I feel like it makes sense to some degree. Do you feel that way? Do you feel like resonating on the past kind of keeps you stuck sometimes or, or no? First off, I've never heard that conspiracy theory, but now that you say All right, it, there you go. Now yeah, you know. I love it, man. I can't <laughs> wait to dig into it a little more, but I, I agree. And in some ways, if I pull back the framework a little bit, I think that the world speaks to us through us, whether you're watching a movie or whether you're talking to the person that may be the thought leader that put that little piece out there for people to do. Right. I see us moving into a world where obviously depression is being trapped in the past. Anxiety is being trapped in the future. And if you look at the way in which the world is emerging, we're really trying to focus on the now because that's all there really is. And I think that we're coming to this idea and I love bringing it up through Dory and Pixar and all the artwork moving forward. Like, yeah, you only have right now. That's it. And it's gone. It's yeah. gone. Where's it at? It's gone. 
now. That's it. And if you can think like that, you think beyond good and evil. You think beyond time. You think like, okay, this is the moment. This is life. This is living. But it's a yeah. mindset, right? And it's it's, it's kind of hard to stay in the moment, is it? Do you have you found that, or what are some tricks you use to stay in the moment? Yeah, it's definitely hard to stay in the moment. I think like because I think you need some form of like looking at the. I I think it's like methodical, okay. right? Like you have to like what I try to do is what can I do right now? What's an action? that I can take right now and thoughts of the past or the future are tools, right? Like what is memory? Why do we have memory? Like why do we have the ability to construct concepts, uh, predictions for the future? I think it's just tools. They're okay. tools for you to use in the present, right? Like a hammer is only useful to you if you're using it right now to hit a nail. I think that's kind of the thing. Like I look at the past to kind of think about, okay, what lessons have I learned in the past and how can I use that to what I want to do right now in this moment? And looking to the future, I try not to do it very much at all. I think the only, my only desire to look into the future is just as a way of figuring out what direction I'm trying to head in, you know, where it's like, yeah. you know, if I'm on like a cutting regime, if I'm trying to like, you know, lose weight for, for something, then it's like, okay, I'll use that as a tool to, you know, choose the salad over the, right. you know, bowl of ice cream. But otherwise, I don't really see what benefit thinking about the future <laughs> is. <laughs> Holds. I just don't like. I'm sure other people like have reasons why the looking into the future is very useful for them. But for me personally, I just don't find much use in it. It's a fascinating concept to think of. You know, when you look at the way in which people have been conditioned their whole life, a lot of people use like a journal to write down these goals, or they write down these. You know, if you read like Steve Jobs' biography, or mm -hmm. It seems to me a lot of the boomers' biographies, which it makes sense because those people writing biographies because they're at that age. But in mm -hmm. some ways, you can see the tools that they, they've used. And if we look at thought patterns like tools, be it the past or the future, you know, maybe what we're seeing is that some of these tools are obsolete and looking to the future and creating these goals of like, mm -hmm. eh, you sure you want to limit yourself like that? What do you mean I'm limiting myself with a goal? You know what I mean? Like, but in some yeah. ways, like that could be, that could be there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like goals, even goals, like it's, it's so tricky. Like, like I think about it as like directions. Okay. I think to some degree, like it's a given example, like right now, you know, I'm, I'm building a product collab, you know, to help bring collaborators together, but you know, you could have, I could have a goal of like, okay, I want to, I want the product to get to a million users, right? That could be a goal, but like the goal is what is the value of it? Ooh, is the well specificity of a million users, is that, is that a valuable goal? I don't really think so. I think it's more like, because if you focus on the goal, like one thing I've found, especially with like, building content or like building products is like if you focus too much on the goal you will kind of do whatever it takes to hit that goal but if you don't ascribe meaning 
if you don't focus on the meaning behind the goal, then you're you're unlikely to hit it or hit it in a good way. You know, does, does that make sense? Like you'll cut corners, you'll screw people over. You see yep. this with a lot of products, you know, people Tons complain about a lot of social networks because they, they focus too much on a goal, on a very specific goal, and they'll do whatever it takes to hit that goal. But it's like, if you focus on that, like why? Like for me, it's like, I want to help as many people as possible. Will that be a million people in 12 months? Maybe, maybe not. Like maybe it'll be less people, but I'll maximize on the true intent, which is to help as many people as possible. If that makes sense. It, it makes total sense. I think, I think numbers and goals like that, especially when we start looking at revenue or users or comment, you know, a lot of these metrics that we use for success are actually symptoms of the process. Like, yeah, those are mm -hmm. great things, but those are because of it's meaningful. Like the meaning the meaning is something that creates those other things. Like those are byproducts of a successful organism. And I look at it as an organism because you, you're feeding off of each other and it's symbiotic instead of parasitic, you know, parasitic. Yeah. yeah you can become parasitic and extract, extract, like we extract oil out of the ground, or you can be symbiotic, like a person on psychedelic mushrooms, having a different kind of look at the world. Like there's a symbiotic relationship happening and it's different than a parasitic yeah. relationship. So yeah I, yeah, I love that, man. And I, I, I'm so stoked to talk to you because I think you are one of the people that are helping us move the ball forward and creating a future that is more symbiotic. When there's someone in a position of authority creating, they are the people that are, are paving the pathway for that kind of relationship. Is yeah. that, maybe you can speak to that a little bit more. Like we've kind of fleshed out a little bit, but, but what, what does it mean to be building something like that? What are some metrics you focus on? What is your process like? How do you create something that's symbiotic? Um, I think it's a lot about creating a community. You know, like yeah, I was kind of talking about it you know, last week with someone. I was like, you know, when I first entered the world of the creator economy, I had a lot of thoughts in my mind about what, what that looked like like what the creator economy looked like, what participants in the creator economy look like, like influencers and YouTubers and, you know, live streamers. And like, what is, what are these people? What are their motivations? I had ideas in my head of kind of what that was. Um, and they weren't great <laughs> ideas. <laughs> you know, I, it's, I think it's largely driven by popular culture sure. or like you know what is discussed in like the media you know if you google if you google the word influencer the top articles are all going to be kind of negative you know and I, I think a lot of people kind of see it uh that way and i think it's because we the stories that are highlighted are parasocial they're parasitic mm. they're kind mm. of this you have this one person who is like an idol you know the golden yes. calf yes and that's the type of relationship that they've garnered with their community, you know, whether intentionally or unintentionally, just based on like whatever metric yep. they were chasing. You know, if you're chasing views, you're more likely to end up with this parasocial um, relationship because you're basically extracting value from your users, you know, from your viewers, from your community as the kind of creator. Um, 
So that was that was my thinking kind of before yeah. I got into it. And then once I started working in this industry, I was like, yes, those people absolutely exist. You know, I'm, I'm not going to lie and say it's not true. There are a lot of people, a lot of the big names that you hear, they are big because that is the kind of community that they've built around themselves. But then I learned about loads of other people like yourself who are not trying to do that. They're trying to foster a completely different uh, type of community. It's not one way where I am here creating content kind of just to kind of garner views. I'm trying to create a community. I'm trying to create a space. And when you do that, you likely you don't get as much press, you know, because it isn't as salacious. You know, you're not going to be drawn right. to making the type of content that gets you you know, written on this person did this crazy, horrible thing or whatever. Um, but you end up with a, a community kind of of love, you know, and I, I saw the power of that. And I saw the well, the power, especially when creators like that collaborate with each other, you know, because there are so many people. I think it's one of the most undervalued part of the creator economy is that People create these communities that are adjacent to each other and they could deliver so much value to their community if they work together as opposed to trying to compete with each other. I think there's so much more power yeah. uh, in collaboration and people working together as opposed to people seeing each other as, as competitors. Like, oh, this person yeah. has this many you know this person has a community where well, i'm going to figure out how to steal their community why there's like enough room i think for yeah. everyone i don't think it's really necessary so that was kind of the inspiration you know behind the product that that i'm building now and and it, it works you know early signs you know people are excited they kind of see the value proposition you know there's there are a lot of hurdles i think to get over still but but I think there's a lot of power. I think there's loads, loads of power of in collaboration. And you see it. You see it yeah. yourself, you know, with the type of show that you do and all of the people that you talk to. I mean, it's refreshing and it's empowering both to yourself and to your audience and, and to that person and, and to their audience as well. Yeah, I love collab. I love StreamYard. I, I use it all the time and I've met some really cool people. I've worked with other podcasters that I've never would have met in my life, you yourself included. And I think it's, it's on some level, collaboration is beginning to eclipse competition just very subtly at first. Like you can just see the moon just starting to move in front of the sun a little bit. You know, we have this old machinery of competition and it's like a lot of the legacy influences you know they they're mm -hmm. still part of the legacy media and, and the legacy media tried to do this thing like we got a brand new machine it's pink instead of blue now that's <laughs> not really a new machine you know what i mean that is still kind of does the same stuff man you know but but yeah. we we're seeing people move like th there's this new term like build online and it's mm -hmm. it's products like the ones that you're building that allow people to build online. Like you can build an audience, you can build a community, you can build a framework to build a whole new structure. You know, when you build a new foundation, you can build a new building. You don't need yeah. to keep up two walls to get permits and all that kind of stuff. 
you can really begin to build something new. And we're seeing it happen. We're seeing people that used to be truck drivers, myself included. Hey, I can move into this space and I can create value for people. I can bring together someone who may be studying at Mastriac University and put them in contact with a historian in Canada. And I get to feel like not necessarily a, a large check or a piece of what comes together, but I get to mm -hmm. be cited in the work that they do when they publish a paper. And that, mm -hmm. that lasts forever. Now I can yeah. use that as, hey, here's George, someone who was cited in this study. Here's a best-selling author. And it's like, it's all because I got to build with people. And it's so much more rewarding. And I, I really see what you guys are doing here as not only building out products, but building out a future framework to pe for people to solve problems. And that's what we need right now more than anything. It's, it's, yeah. have, you, have you noticed that this is something that moves not only in the, in the United States, but obviously you're in London. Is this something that is burgeoning throughout the world? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think there's some cultures that are kind of more into it than others. Yeah. Um, totally. That are kind of more open to to collaboration and helping each other out than others. But, you know, that it was another thing kind of going back to what I was saying yeah. before about like kind of what I thought. And it's, you know, we're all very uh, limited, I think, to some degree mm -hmm. with the types of content that we consume. And that and that's you know to be to be expected. I, I never really liked the term kind of like filter bubble, you know, whether it's you know in reference to like the content you consume or your interests or whatever, you know, it's like all oh, these you know things are stuck in a filter bubble. I think people have interests and people sh should be allowed their interests and people should pursue their interests and people should be within the communities that you know wrap around their interests. Yeah. But there is so much more. And you don't really see that until you enter a new space. You know, as I was saying, like from growing up, because I like to keep it moving, because I like to try new things and enter new industries. It, oh, it forces me to see what other people are working on, what other countries are doing, what other cultures are doing. So when I first started in the creator space, I was very kind of Western focused, mm. like, OK, the U.S., Maybe, you know, the UK, when I first started, I was living in London at the time. So, you know, there's so much creativity here. Like I'm in shortage right now. And I mean, you can't like you trip over creators of some <laughs> degree, whether it's, you know, like online creators or artists, painters, musicians. You know, I got a haircut yesterday and you know, I was talking to him and I, my barber and I was like, you know, how did you get into being a, a barber? And he was like, oh, you know, when I first started, I was, you know, in high school, I was doing graphic design. Uh, and then I decided I wanted to do landscaping. So I like flew to Australia and started to do landscaping. And then I didn't want to do that anymore. So I like moved to the Netherlands and learned how to cut hair. Uh, and now he's a music producer. <laughs> and so like... You know, it's like it's a, but that's everyone, I feel like yeah. in, in, you know, many neighborhoods of, of London. So it is global. It's, it's totally global. Um, everyone's collaborating. I think it's becoming more and more as you see more industries. You know, the, sadly, you know, to some to some degrees, many industries kind of dry up, whether it's like automation, you know, AI, uh, globalization, whatever the case is. But the, the online space is infinite. There is no, there is no end to the online space. It just keeps 
going, you know, as soon as one space gets crowded, there's another space kind of that's open to you. And the only reason you wouldn't see it as open, I think that's one thing that I think your, your content does for a lot of, a lot of people is see the possibilities. You know, you may think the doors are closing or closed for you, but no, they're open. Yeah. <laughs> that door's closed. There's like 500 doors right over here that are yeah. completely open. You just got to like turn around, look at them and, and walk through them. So I think hopefully our product kind of does that for people. You meet new people, you learn new things and, and you put yourself out there. Yeah, I agree. I, I think, you know, I'm a huge fan of music and, and language. And there's a famous quote, I think it's from Bob, who says, when one door is closed, many more open. Like, all you have to do is look. But we're so tunnel vision sometimes. Like, I got to do this one thing. I got to go to college. I got to get this degree. And I got to take this class. And then maybe I'll get this job. And then my mom will love me. And I'll get this girl. Like, I have this kid. Like, it's so linear. Like, that's not the way the world has to be. I understand that that can be welcoming. That might mm -hmm. feel as if it's rewarding. But if you just take some time to sit quietly and try to figure out who you are and what you're doing and ask, ask some deep questions, I think that you'll see the world unfold in front of you in ways you can't quite yet imagine. And it's, is it, let me ask you this, the product you're building. Maybe you could speak to that a little bit. Is it would you? Is it a verb? Is it an adjective? Is it both of those things? It is a is it a manifestation of imagination? Like what is this thing you're building? It's a verb. It's okay. absolutely it's absolutely a verb. You know, I don't want it to be. You know, there are a lot of platforms that are nouns that are absolutely yeah. nouns, and they want to be nouns because they want to <laughs> keep they That's they so want to keep you there, right? Yeah. Like. Facebook, it's a book. Mm -hmm. It's a noun. They want you to look at the book. <laughs> Don't mm -hmm. take your eyes off the book. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like YouTube. And these are all things that I love, by the way. Sure. I'm, just, I'm they, discouraging them in a, in a, you know, in a, <laughs> in a joking <laughs> way. Um, you know, but like, these are things that you look at. Yeah. Um, and I, I love those things because that's how I learn. You sure. know, I learn. I meet a lot of people through Facebook still, you know, people make fun of it. But I think Facebook to me is one of the kind of friendliest platform, sure. especially because of how many Facebook groups there are. I think, you know, you take the word groups, you know, Facebook is a noun. If you just treat it as the Facebook and the feed, it's a noun. You just look at it. But then you look at Facebook groups, groups. That, that's a verb, you know, a grouping of, of, of people, people coming together. Um, and for us, we're, we're a verb, you know, we don't want people to, we're not trying to, you know, kind of what you were getting at earlier about like kind of what we're kind of aiming for. Yeah. Our, we, of all of our metrics, of all of our North Star metrics, things that we're aiming for, none of them are kind of like how much time people spend on the product, right. right? We don't want people coming every single day, spending all their time, you know, spending an hour on there. It's a verb. We want to help you take action, right? You come here, you meet people in the community and you work together. It's all about like finding the right people to make beautiful things with and put that out uh, into the world. So we want to be a tool. We want to yeah. be a tool for people to help you do things.
I love it. I, see, I, I'm not sure people spend enough time on language. When, if you're going to build something, a name is important. Like, what does it do? And, and because what it does is going to, on some le level, translate to the person partaking in it. If it is a Facebook, what does it mean? If I say it's a book, I'm going to read it. I'm going to spend some time looking at it and checking it out. But I'm not really – I could use it to smash something or I could use it as a sunblock. There's ways I can use it, but it's limited. And so, yeah. too, yeah. is the actual platform. And it's it's built right into the language. When we start talking about what we're going to do, we should be very cautious and energetic and excited, but very precise in the language we use because we're describing what we are. We're describing what we're going to do. We're giving ourselves limitations by using language that is limiting. And I wish more people would be conscious of that in their daily discussions. And in a weird sort of way, we can see language changing. Like people are talking about different pronouns and this and stuff. It's fascinating. It's beautiful. Yeah. And it changes yeah. the way we model reality. And what you guys are doing, collabing. Like that's here we have this not only verb, but we have a unique ID in which we can experience the world. There's a lot yeah. of stuff you can do with that. That's powerful, man. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many ways for people to work together, I think. Yes. That's like there's so much power and people working together. And you see that, you know, with what you're saying with people changing language. Yep. Like language itself is a tool. You know, like you use it as a tool to kind of communicate yeah. with yourself, you know, to kind of ruminate on your ideas, work through your ideas. But what is the primary function of language is to communicate with other people to get your point across to another person you know without would if there was only ever one human being on earth and no other human beings had ever come about would that one person had ever developed a whole system of language and multiple ways of saying different things and you know nicknames and you know all the different pronouns for for you know a tree and a dog and everything else i, I don't think so so there's a community what i say is like there's a community aspect to language and the way you kind of form language and you challenge language and if you want to change language you have to do it with other people and you have to do it like this yeah, you know, by by talking and working through things. That's one of my favorite things about um, content where it's people speaking. You know, with where it's two people or a group of people, yeah. and they're all talking. Is that you could you know watch it or listen to it and just kind of see it as like them kind of communicating with each other or trying to communicate something to the person that's that's not part of the conversation and is just kind of consuming it. But if you kind of take a step back and you kind of really look at the language that they're using and the tones of their yes. voices throughout the conversation, what you realize is that they're using language to work through things with each other. There's a negotiation and exchange yep. and a really great piece of content, whether it's a podcast episode or a live stream or a YouTube video, whatever the case is, where there's multiple people is like, you have all these different forms of language, people saying the same thing or different things in different or the same ways. And at the end of it, you have, 
you know, 10 different sentences that now gets distilled down into one sentence that kind of captures every single idea. And it's something that didn't exist before. So there's, there's a lot of power. There's a lot of power in that. Spoken like a true artist. It's this tapestry <laughs> we're weaving. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it speaks volumes of, I, I can see why you are leading the, I can see why you're leading the charge in so many ways. Like you need someone who understands that in order to have a tapestry woven in a way in which the image can be in the middle and the colors are right and the fabric is good. And there's a lot there, but it takes thoroughly understanding, not just words, which are a fragment of language, but the cadence in which one person decides to talk to another, the hands, the eyebrow flash, the, the con all of that is imperative in finding meaning in something. And it's, it's it's wonderful to me. If 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 we continue down this wonderful path of linguistics and symbolism and how, how where does imagery fit into this? Like on some level, I think we're almost beginning to see imagery introduced into the human language in a way in which it's never been done before. It's almost like language. Our words are nouns, but now we have this phenomenal imagery which can be an adverb. And now we can really begin to understand each other. If I can show you this image, back it up with a prose of poetry and use my hands. Wow, you may, and I maybe I can do a little dance about it. You know what I mean? But we really begin to communicate in a way that is meaningful that we haven't done for so long. What, what, yeah. what about all these new integrations we have? Yeah, I mean, imagery is, is interesting, especially in the creator space. Yeah, I think- yeah. You know, what you're saying, you, you mentioned earlier about like kind of media, kind of media as it has existed. I think when you have uh, any type of tool uh, and you have it in the hands of a limited set of people, um, they tend to kind of form a, a, a standard. <laughs> yeah, you know exactly you know if you put three people in a room and, and you you know give them something they tend to find one way of doing it one way that kind of benefits all three of them right um <laughs> exactly. and i'm using like exactly. three number three kind of for a reason <laughs> right look, right if you look at you you know any type of media landscape it's kind of always like three kind of in that space but then mm -hmm. once you get into the creator economy where i can't stop you know, no one can stop someone from you know opening a tiktok account or opening a youtube account and you know making something recording something dropping it into premiere pro or you know, some other piece of uh, software, you know, booting up StreamYard and creating something there, like no one can stop you. And because of that, we have way more forms of imagery of communicating things in a visual manner, I think, than, than ever before. And there's a lot of pushback, I think, from people who see things a certain way. Like I live in Los Angeles, you know, home of the Hollywood studio. Um, and they have a certain idea about the way things should look, you know, and the way a story should be told. Um, and I, yeah, as a rule breaker, I just fundamentally disagree. <laughs> I'm with you. Just fundamentally disagree uh, with that. And, you know, it, if we take like an example, you know, the kind of birth of the short form video, 
and what people have done. You know, you look at a TikTok video from 2020 and you look at TikTok videos now, they're very different. You know, they may seem the same, but they're very different. The innovations of the way that people are trying to, it's like, well, how can I communicate my idea a little better? It's like, okay, well, let's shift the camera angle down. Let's speed up the frame rate ever yeah. so slightly. You know, when you talk to these creators, I think a lot of people, they don't give credit to how much thought is put into every tenth of a second of these creations. And it's for a purpose. You know, they have an idea. They have a message. They have something they want to do. They want to make you laugh. They want to make you cry. They want to make you feel something. They want to, you know, help explain a cause to you, show you what something is like on the opposite side of the world, you know, which is very important now. Um, so I think, I think imagery is extremely important and the more we can get these tools to be very powerful, uh, I think number one, to be very, very powerful, to be very accessible, you know, to anyone on any platform, whether you're using it on, you know, an expensive MacBook or you're using it on a, you know, a, a budget, uh, Android phone and another country, you know, that doesn't have great internet, you should have the power to make any image you want i think i think that's i think that's extremely extremely important i mean i love all of it you know i think it speaks to the idea of when information can flow freely innovation moves at a pace that hasn't been seen since in my lifetime the innovation that's happening like when i start looking at people myself included that try to create you know, uh, content specifically for a phone screen. Like all of a sudden mm -hmm. you can have four different pictures and you can have some, some interesting pictures and like a different design. And like, you know, like if you were to say, like, why is there, why is it the, the three pictures like that? I don't get it. It's kind of cool looking, but the only reason you have yeah. that is because I'm trying to create specifically for this one type of phone. And it, like you, sometimes mm -hmm. I look back at other people's stuff and I'm like, that is so freaking cool man i love the way they did how do they even think about that oh that gives me an idea and it's like when you when we when we don't restrict ideas when we don't restrict the, a, a certain type of person be it a gender a color a class you know when we don't restrict people from creating innovation creates a wealth that has been unseen in humanity since probably the luddites on some level but it's it's <laughs> you know what i mean it's like yeah, true yeah. artisans like the most creative people in the world now have an outlet where they can compete with somebody that maybe went to the London school of economics or something like that. And they mm -hmm. can compete on a level where it's like, I'm not sure which one I like better. And it's, yeah. it's, that's where the, that's where power comes from. That's where innovation comes from. And these tools are allowing that to happen, not only in Los Angeles or London, but throughout the world on a level. Are there people that come to you and say, Hey, Charles, this is dangerous, man. This is, you shouldn't be doing this. It's only for a certain set of people that understand <laughs> programming and have an understanding of how to control people. Do people try to, to, to set you back like that? Yeah, I think I have met quite a number of people. Like I said, like <laughs> being in <laughs> being in being in Los Angeles, there are a lot of people who would like things to stay a certain way. You know, they don't like the idea of everyone having a camera and everyone having the ability to record their own story 
and to put their own story on there and for that story to get, you know, a million views or whatever it is. Um, they don't, they don't like that. And, you know, I, I don't put it against anyone. You know, I think I, I always try to think about everyone, like everyone has the same goal. You know, everyone wants the same set of goals. I think, you know, everyone wants to be loved. Everyone wants to be accepted. Everyone wants to get their story heard um, and understood. Um, and everyone wants security to yep. some degree, you know, resource security, community security. Um, and when things change, when information gets out there and industries change, it's frightening. <laughs> You know, because you're used to things a certain way. You know, I've been I when I started, you know, if you wanted to create content, you know, like when I was in college, you know, not that long ago, like 15, 12, almost 20 years ago, I guess. Like when, when I was in college, if you wanted to create content, well, it's like, OK, well, I need to like study film, study writing and then hopefully, you know, get good enough to like write a screenplay you know enter the lottery that is hollywood and <laughs> someone will care about me and maybe i can get my show uh aired at 6 p.m on thursday yeah. night on fox <laughs> you know one yep. of the 10 channels you know that people watch and now you could be 12 years old and have a story to tell and you pick up your phone and you record it and you put it out there and you know within 24 hours a million or more people have seen it, you know, so a lot of people don't like that. You know, they're very afraid. And I think that's fine. I think that's fine. I think their story deserves empathy as well. You know, I never try to think about it as like a competition. And I always try to explain that to people. It isn't a competition. You know, there's a balance. People want the one thing that the creator economy allows is a personal relationship that you never that you cannot get from very polished high-end work that you get in a movie theater mm. you're never gonna feel like someone's talking directly to you or you're hearing really about someone's life story even if it's like a documentary or something it's dramatized there's there's a lot of you know cooks in the kitchen making that so it's a very kind of polished view of of the world um so it's understandable. So yeah, long, long story short, yeah. yes, there are a lot of people <laughs> that don't want these types of things to exist. Um, but I understand and they'll come around at some point. <laughs> yeah. that So that makes me think, you know, I, I just finished a parent teacher conference with my daughter who's nine years old and we sat down and we spoke just about the way in which social media is influencing the classroom. And, you know, we were going to meet on, we had the option of meeting on zoom, but we wanted to get down there. And the teacher was like, Oh, I'm so thankful you guys came down. So many people are meeting on Zoom and I don't really like it. And she had all these reasons why she didn't like it. And whether you have children, whether you're a teenager, whether you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, or 50s, we all know that on some level, at least in the past, when content creation was somewhat restricted, we saw this polished view. Maybe you, maybe you grew up in the times of Hollywood and you saw the actors and actresses and you grew up in the, in the time of the top hat and the feather and, and stuff like this. Or maybe you grew up in the time of Madonna and you saw the material girl. And, and, yeah. and when Facebook came out, there's a lot of people that say, oh, you know, social media is really horrible for people because it gives a inauthentic view of what life is. People are only posting their beautiful French cuisine. No one's posting their hot dog, you know. However, 
Yeah. Might it be possible that the answer to to the social media inadequacies is more creators? And, and let me let me try to flesh this out a little bit. There's a concept in there's this book I read called it, it speaks of the term wabi sabi, and this has this is this mm -hmm. Japanese term for coaxing the beauty out of the ugly. And an example is like a really old antique pot has this giant crack in it, but that's what makes it beautiful. It's not the pristine craftsmanship, which is great, but it's the fact that somewhere along the line, this beautiful, magnificent piece of pottery was dropped somewhere. And that story behind it, oh, that was when Uncle Ronnie was coming down the stairs. And let me tell you what grandma did. Grandma came over and pinched his butt and he slipped and fell. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. But like, you know, it's the story. It's that coaxing. What is this scar right here? So maybe what's happening is that this idea of polished social media is moving away. And now you can see a guy riding a motorcycle naked, or you can see a girl that's seven reciting a poem that brings tears to your eyes. And you're like, oh, that's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Let me just watch it again. You know, and like yeah. maybe the answer to the, the polished idea of what life can be is a million more people showing you what life really is. And I think that that's kind of what your product is doing. It's providing that platform for people to understand on some level, we're all creators, whether you're putting it out there or whether you're going to work, whether you're making breakfast or whether you're mowing your yard, like you're creating something. And if you begin to see yourself that way, you change the way you model reality, right? What, what do you think about that? Is it possible that the answer to the polished world of Hollywood could be more creators showing what life is? Yeah, yeah, I think I think absolutely. You know, part of it I would say is I, I understand, you know, the kind of there is a pull to polish. <laughs> there is an absolute <laughs> pull, an absolute pull uh to polish. Kind of we all have it. You know, when I'm producing something, I create it. You know, so it's it's so strange because, like, you know, I, I'm like going off on a slight tangent, but like Please. when I create something, some of my favorite stuff that I've ever made, probably the my the favorite my favorite stuff that I've ever made, whether it's a like piece of art or recording or whatever the music, whatever the case was, you know, it was something that I had no concept of. And I just kind of made it in like 20 minutes and was done with it. And I just never touched it again. I just did it, was like, that's pretty cool. And then I, I was done with it. You know, a lot of the art that I made that I have hanging in my house, it was that. I just made it randomly. I was bored for a second. And I just made it. It was, you know, unpolished. But there's a pull to polish. You know, other times, if I have more time on my hands, like I made a video last week. I recorded it on Tuesday. And it took me five, six days. <laughs> to edit that thing. I was on the plane for 10 hours and just going it over and over and over again. Like, oh, change this graphic. Oh, I don't really like that. What is this? And by the end, I was like, eh, this is all right. <laughs> Heavily polished, loads of animations and transitions and background music and all these things. And in the end, I was like, eh, that's eh, fine. Um, so I, I understand people's pull to polish. And at the same time, you know, I'm a lover of magazines. I absolutely okay. love magazines. I've loved magazines my entire life, just the photography and all of the work that goes into it and all the different things they have to do for lighting to get the moment exactly right. You know, they take 500 photographs 
of someone jumping in the air to get that exact perfect moment when the you know the one hair is just perfectly <laughs> resting yep. on the eyebrow and like all of these things so it's like there is a place for that there's absolutely a place for that because polish as good as things not being polished is i think there's a balance right polish yeah. content is very important because it gives you something to aspire to i like it i think you can't really live a fulfilling life if you're not aspiring if you're not trying to move forward if you don't see right. a north star that you're walking in the desert towards with if the north star isn't there then you're just walking in the desert <laughs> <laughs> you're not heading anywhere um and there's a place for unpolished content that unpolished content i think it helps you build a community i don't think you can build yeah. a community around unpolished right con uh, around i don't think you can build a community around polished content you can only build a community around unpolished content because it's real people can relate to it it's what makes people feel comfortable with who they are you you should aspire to be more i think everyone should aspire to be right. more but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't feel happy and secure with where you are right now and who you are right now and in terms of media you're only going to get that from people being real and not being polished so yeah i think you need a balance okay what do you, what do you think is the relationship between authenticity authenticity and polished is um i think that's a hard question it is uh, i think that's a very hard question to answer because it really depends it really depends on the per on the person kind of in how yeah. they view themselves you know i think i think the conversation around looking at certain creators you know for instance like if we just you know take a look at like one platform if we look at creators on instagram uh for instance you know there are a lot of people doing great things you know there are a lot of creators that you know they get attacked because people don't think they're being authentic you know it's like you're too polished you're not being authentic you're not being real um and again like you know i'm the type of person i like to see all sides of the story and yeah. i think you know i don't want to psychologically diagnose anyone no but i think a lot of times that comes from if i speak personally you know i've i have felt that myself you know sure. when i've looked at certain certain uh certain creators that i feel are too polished and are not being authentic and a lot of the times that comes from a an insecurity within myself you know as i was saying in order for you to feel comfortable in yourself you need to see something that's kind of real something that has mistakes in it you know when you look in the mirror your face isn't completely perfect without any lines or blemishes yeah. or whatever so if you see that in a person you're like, well, that's not like what I see in the mirror when I look at myself. Therefore, this person is not being is not being authentic. But that person is being authentic to what they want to be. Right. Like you have to when you look at other people being creators, you can't look at it through your lens. Right. You have to look at every piece of, you know, media and creation through the lens of the person that made it and see things through their eyes. You know, where are they coming from? What's their story? What story are they trying to tell? Why are they trying to tell that story? 
um, and not trying to, don't try to force yourself on the story. If it's a story that you don't want to hear, then then that's completely fine, and and that's not and that's not for you. Um, but I think I think everyone is being authentic. I don't think there's there is a way to be inauthentic. <laughs> I don't think our brains allow us to be inauthentic, even when we're escaping our insecurities. We're still being authentic <laughs> in that. Yeah, I, I admire that point of view. It's I think it speaks volumes of someone who is probably sat alone at a, for long periods of time wondering why shit is the way it is, man. <laughs> I love that, dude. You know what I yeah, mean? Like, yeah, that's yeah. volumes that they're like, oh, well, what about the way they think? They're probably looking like that. Jesus Christ. I mean, how do you, how do you feel, you know, when you're, when you're creating content, you know, you're a very positive person. I think you have a great, great Thank message. Thank you. Uh, how do you feel? Are, are there times where you feel you struggle with, with authenticity, you know, after you've created something, do you kind of look back and feel like, was I being my my true self or or not? Do you do you ever struggle with that? Yeah, I I do, and and I I would echo your sentiments about there not being a true inauthentic person from the point of view of another person. Like, who am I to mm -hmm. say you're not on it? I don't I don't know what you're thinking. Like, maybe you wanted that. Maybe you wanted that piece. Like, I don't I don't know. But mm -hmm. when you look at yourself. I think you have the ability to understand if you gave it, uh, you know, if, if you're being truly authentic. I, I heard a, a, a story one time that was along the lines of, I think it was John Wooden. He, he wrote this book and told this story about, about uh, winning and losing in life. And he would get mm -hmm. his kids together at, on the basketball court and say something along the lines of, you know, at the end of the game, only you will truly know whether you won or lost out there. And it won't be based on the points on the board. Because you can go out there and you can crush the other team and you can have more points on the board and still lose the game. You know, and, and, Or you could go out there and you could lose the game but get more out of yourself. But if you go yeah. out there and you get more points on the board and you sucked at it, well, you know, you're kind of a loser because you, you didn't do your best, man. You could have done better. It doesn't. The points don't matter because someone else could have had a good game and you suck. That doesn't matter. And on the flip side, if you go out there and you give everything that you have and the other team wins, well, you get to walk away the winner because you got more out of yourself. And I think that comes down whether you're playing sports or whether you're in a relationship or whether you're creating something. You know if, if like, God damn it, I should have put the color yellow in. You know why I didn't do it? Because my dog was barking. The kid, And I was like, I'll just leave it like that. It's fine. But now it bothers me every time I look at it. And someone else is like, I think it looks good. And you're like, no, it's not. Like, you know, like that's the, that in some level is the inauth inauthenticity. Or you're like, I think this will get more views, you know? And it gets back to the first part of our conversation where like, if you're doing, if you're creating something for anything other than a true expression of what you're trying to create, like if you're trying to breathe life into something, that's probably going to foster authenticity. If you're doing something because you have to, or you're under a contract, you know, hopefully you can breathe life into it in the way a great sculptor could bring to life a piece of marble that has something beautiful in it. But if you're if you're just creating for comments, if you're creating for views, if you're creating for likes, it's it's easier to be inauthentic. And that's just speaking for myself because I I find myself in that trap sometimes. Like, how come this one didn't get as much? And I'm like, okay, who yeah. cares? Who cares why I didn't get that much? It's not why I'm doing it. I'm doing it for this. And then it's like, 
ah, everything's kind of lifted off of me. And I feel like my, my creative spirit gets kind of clamped down when it's shoved into a corner and do this now. You know what I mean? So yeah. I guess that that's the way I look at inauthentic, inauthentic behavior and authentic behavior. And sometimes the way I speak, if I'm pulling my punches a little bit and I'm not being me, I'm like, I can get way more out of this interview, but I'm, I'm too scared to ask this person a question. And then, you know, it's not fair to them. It's not fair to me. It's not fair to the audience. I should just try to be me. And so on some level, I think we all battle with this idea of authenticity and I'm glad that we do because I think yeah. it makes us better. I think that it challenges us to, to create better things and, yeah, but I, I've been hearing that term quite a bit, authenticity. So I think it's a beautiful term, and more people should be figuring out what that word means to them, right? It's like it's up to them to to define that. Is that a good yeah. answer? Yeah, yeah, okay, absolutely. Good. I think I, I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, piggybacking off of that, like I think as yeah. well, you everything is is kind of an endless. I don't want to use the word game, but I can't think of another sure. word. It's like yeah. everything is endless in life. You know, like I think, you know, when we we're talking about goals, you know, one reason I don't like goals is because honestly, you never get there. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> you know, like, and if you did, if you did make a goal that you reached, I don't think it's probably a good goal. <laughs> right. You didn't go far enough. Like you have to choose. So like authenticity you're no one's ever going to be authentic in their own eyes right, or right. in the eyes of another person. Right. Like when you look in the mirror, you're always going to feel like you should be something more. You should be a little bit more real to yourself. Other people are going to think you should be a little bit more real along mm -hmm. their lines about how they have defined the game. Um, and that's good. I think that's good is what keeps yeah. things fresh you know every day I, i'm the type of person that i wear kind of the same thing all the time i like like to pick a uniform and then i kind of rock with it you know kind of nice. like a cartoon character um but it's that allows me to struggle right with authenticity because it's like well is this authentic maybe it is maybe it's not well maybe i need to find a new way to be authentic. If I can't do it in my dress, maybe I need to find a new form of authenticity. Maybe I have to do it with my language. Yeah. Maybe I need to do it with my with my actions. Maybe I need to do it the way with uh, the way I show up in a relationship. Maybe yeah. I need to show my authenticity and how I'm compassionate to another person. Um, there's so many different layers of authenticity. So yeah, like you never you're never going to feel completely authentic. Um, you should, you're always going to feel a little bit inauthentic, but you shouldn't see that as a negative. You should see that as, as a positive and as, as a sign that there's more room to grow and life isn't over. There's, there's a lot, there's a lot more lane left on this highway. I love, I love that analogy. And, and I want to add to it. I want to say, if you're find yourself creating stuff and you bump up against the word authenticity, Congratulations. Whether it's someone saying you're inauthentic or someone says that's not dude. <laughs> hey, welcome, man. Come here. Let me give you a hug, man. You're here with us. You know what I mean? Like you're there. Like you see that sign. Oh, I got what they're talking about, man. I made it. You know, on some level, like you made it right there. When you start thinking at that level, it's like, oh yeah, okay. Now, now, now turn around and help the next person up. Help them understand what that is, right? Now we're back to this idea of of collabing and stuff like that. But yeah. not a whole lot of people thoroughly understand what the creator economy is. Maybe you could maybe you could give us your definition of it 
And where do you see the creator economy in the in looking forward? Like, what does that look like to you? Uh, the creator economy. How would I describe it? I mean, I think the creator the creator economy definitely is nothing new. I think we we it's kind of come back around. Okay. I think to some degree, like the creator economy has always existed. Like, what did humanity do? In the beginning, there were no jobs. You had to create, <laughs> you had to figure something out. You know, you think of like the, you know, hundreds, thousands of years ago, the idea of the bazaar, you know, people <laughs> yeah. going into the yep. center of town and yep. every single person in the town had a stall. And it was like, okay, well, that person, they're selling, you know, prunes. Well, I'm not going to sell prunes. Uh, I think I have some wood <laughs> in the back of my house. I'm going to whittle that into like little sculptures of something into little elephants and maybe that will be my maybe that will be my thing and that's what i'll create and i'll bring it to the bazaar and i'll see if anyone likes it and if no yeah. one likes it well then maybe next week i'll whittle it into monkeys and yeah. i'll see if people if people like that you never know um so i think that that's the kind of original creator economy um and then you know as society changed we had jobs <laughs> and that's kind of the the structure of, of how people saw the world. I think there was a kind of collapse or a concentration mm -hmm. of resources um, into kind of centralized hands, you know, for good and, and, and for bad. I think there's two sides of it where there is a lot of positive and there is a lot of, and there is some, uh, some negative to that. And for that, when you get that kind of accumulation of capital and resources into yep. centralized hands, well, what do humans do? What do all animals do? They flock to wherever the resources are and those resources yep. were in companies and corporations and certain modes of working. So there wasn't a lot of creator-ness. <laughs> there wasn't yeah. a lot of need for creators, I think, during yep. the Industrial Revolution, yep. you know, and, you know, up to like the 1950s, 1960s, there wasn't a lot of need for it because humanity had other problems that they needed to that didn't that they needed to worry about and and being a creator was was quite challenging um but now you know with the birth of the internet you know and and how you know a high speed internet and and access to platforms like facebook and youtube and tiktok and you know like uh the ease of of selling products you know i think shopify yeah. and yep. and and Amazon, you know, like they're, you know, Amazon is vilified this to, to a big degree, but like, there are so many people who have created their business. Like they would have never gone out on their own and created products to sell on their own. If it wasn't for the existence of a platform like that, that allowed people to be like, okay, well, I'm going to set up an Instagram account, you know, to show pictures of the artwork that I'm making. And then I'm going to set up a free Shopify account to, you know, sell the products. And then I'm going to set up a StreamYard account and I'm going to live stream to different to multiple platforms so that more and more people can see the, the thing that I'm making. Um, so like with, with all of these platforms getting into more and more people's hands around the world, well, what, what happens when you what happens when you give humans tools? Well, they use those tools and they find ways to create, you know, so that's what I think the creator economy is. I think it's everything. I think we put a lot of emphasis on the, on the kind of entertainment and, yeah. uh, and 
the kind of media portion of the creator economy, because that's kind of what the majority of what we see. Um, but the creator economy is, is, is everything, you know, like this ring, I, I got it from uh, this, uh, this couple that started a store and started making these rings by hand. I think it's in, uh, in Lake Tahoe. Small store, I would have never seen it. I would have never been there, would have never heard about it. Um, but I learned about it through the creator economy and I was able to, you know, find it and like it and buy it. And, you know, so, so the creator economy, I think is everywhere. In terms of the future of the creator economy, I don't know. I think it's so hard to, to guess. I think it's gonna be more of the same uh, not in a sense of like repetitiveness. Uh, I think it's going to be more of the same in terms of it's going to continue to grow. Um, I think the great thing about the creator economy is that we don't, we don't, we have no idea what yeah. it's going to be. As more people enter, it changes. <laughs> you know, there's this, this concept of metas <laughs> where it's like, what is the current meta of the, of the time, you know? And I think the meta keeps changing. And as more people enter, the meta will change. And I'm very excited. One thing I'm extremely excited yeah. about is for kind of developing economies and, and other countries that we don't get to hear about what they're doing so much for them to take control of the narratives a bit and to get their voice heard because they're doing amazing things, you know, like what creators are doing in Africa, you know, what they're mm -hmm. doing within fashion, in technology, yeah. in entertainment, you know, across the board, you know, what they're doing with different forms of, of gov governing structures, you know, there's, this, there's so much creativity out there and that's going to change the creator economy and we're going to see things that, that we never, that we never thought of before. And that's going to give more people opportunities, that's going to spread the wealth, that's going to allow more people to collaborate. So I'm excited for the future of, of the creator economy the creator economy. Yeah, you should be. You know, when I was little, it's probably dating myself, but the way in which you saw the world from a classroom was like through like a National Geographic magazine. Like, look at this picture. <laughs> but this girl's got beautiful eyes, you know? And yeah. like, mm -hmm. you know, but now my daughter will have the opportunity to have someone maybe from Kenya come on her podcast and she can, this is what I'm doing over here. This is what I'm doing over here. You know, and mm -hmm. we break away you know, it was Francis Fukuyama that wrote this thing, The End of History. It was all wrong, but there is an end of history that was written and given to us. And in some ways, I think what the creator economy is, the product like StreamYard is doing and other people in the space are doing is that they are beginning to give us a lens into the a new dimension of reality. Like if you can, I don't need my great-grandfather's World War II story to know what happened in Europe. I can talk to somebody over there. You know, before yeah. you had to go over there, you had to have a lot of money to get on a plane to go there and you might only catch a slice of it now, but now you can see, hey, I kind of like this person over there. I, I like what they're doing. What are they talking about? And you get to learn in a way in which you've never learned before. I, I think that what is going, I, I think that this seed of new learning will in some ways produce a tasty fruit that we've never had before like wow that was delicious you know yeah. like it's going to be ways to collaborate 
with people you didn't even know were alive and have an ancestry and a culture and an understanding of the world that you never had. In some ways, it's almost like like our brain connecting itself on some level. Like, hey, this helps. This moves my arm, you know. And <laughs> you know, hey, I didn't know that that did that. You know, yeah. it's, it's so exciting. Yeah. It's the first time we're coming together, man. It's real, and I hope people see that. Do you do you think people are seeing that? Like, what's going on is a coming together. Um, I think so to some degree. You know, one thing that I've noticed, both kind of like within the creator economy and just kind of in humanity, yeah, in general, like every everything that I see, kind of on the news, and you know, talking to people, traveling around, talking to different people, like. People respond to incentives. Yes. You know, like if I put you in a room all by yourself with nothing in it, you're going to behave a certain way. You know, but if I put 10 other people in that room and I start playing, you know, some like techno music, you're going to behave a different way. Uh, and I, if I put two of you in the room and I put a chainsaw in the middle of there and I starved you, you're going to behave a different way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So like, the, I think people behave in different ways depending on what the situation is. So yes. what I've kind of seen is because the world is so big and there are so many different situations that people are in, certain people see the value and other people don't because it's not really in their right. incentive to kind of see it that way and right. to take part in things that way. And I think for a large part, a lot of people won't feel the need to kind of hear other people's stories and to take other people seriously and to collaborate with other people until they're forced to, I mm. think, uh, or until they're inspired to. I think I that's... That. I think that's another thing. I think that's one thing that we're missing so heavily is inspiration is people having, yeah, I, I forget who said it the, the other week, um, but they were like, you know, one thing that we're missing kind of in the kind of pantheon of, of kind of loud voices is, you know, if, if someone asked you, like, who is of all the like mega popular people that most people know about, who is the person that every time they speak, they talk about hope? And they talk about, you know, positive, how things are going to be positive and about how people are going to come together. Um, I don't think there's a lot of voices kind of out there doing that. And that's why I think, you know, things like what you're doing and what other creators are doing is, is kind of incredibly is incredibly powerful because people aren't going to come around until they're shown that it's possible, that it's real, that there are other people doing it. You know, why should I collaborate if no one else is? Well, I got to show you that other people are collaborating. Me and you, we are here. You and other people, me and other people, we're, we're collaborating. We're doing it. We're getting a lot of benefit. Everyone is benefiting. So now people are like, oh, that's Oh, okay. That's curious. Like I was closed off before, but I kind of see, I see what the value proposition is. And I think that's, that's part of the thing with collab, you know, a big part of our job yeah. is, you know, we're a tool where we're a tool to help people collaborate. But the other, the other goal for us is to inspire people to collaborate people that don't think, oh, it's not worth it for me to kind of take the time. You know, what? how long does it take to, you know, 
come on here and, and have a great conversation with another person on the opposite side of the world, 30 minutes, an hour, you know, in our conversation, I'm going to carry this with me. Me too. For the rest of the day, for the rest of the week, you know, a year from now, I'm probably going to think about this conversation that we've had and that's powerful. And the more we kind of get that out there, the more people I think will, will come around to this and, and to many other positive things. Yeah. I once heard, I once heard someone say people change two ways. One is through inspiration and one is through desperation. And, oh, wow. That's uh, good. Yeah. That is good. Yeah. It, unfortunately people desperation tends to be the one that most people wait for. And some, maybe you have to become desperate before you can get inspired. Maybe, maybe it's a hand, maybe it's a handholding relationship on some level, but you know, I, when I get to collab with people yourself or, or other podcasts out there or get to talk to different people in the world, you, know, you really begin to understand how powerful a conversation is. You know, you can, you can change like this conversation changes the whole way my day is going. It changes the way I'm going to interact with my daughter. It's probably going to change what I'm going to have for lunch. It changes the conversation. And we're doing that from across the pond, from across the ocean. And those yeah. small changes, they it's like that, it's like the pebble in the pond. You throw that pebble in the pond and it radiates outward. So you can, if you're willing to take a chance and collaborate in, in something as simple as a conversation, you can change the world on some level. You may not be changing the leaders out there, but you can influence somebody in a way. And, and I'm hopeful that collab and other things like this, they begin to change the nature of what people think an influencer is. Because an influencer is far greater than someone that gets you to like yellow shoes. An influencer is someone who gets to go, hey, I like the way you think. Can you explain that to me? And, and then you, inf you influence one another to live a better life with your language. That is influence. That is making change. And that is something every one of us can do if we're willing to have the courage to go out there and try to do it. A smile, a little eyebrow flash tilting your head one way. You know what I mean? Like all these things can change the world around you. And they're so simple. And the tools Absolutely. you're providing for that are, are there, you know, I'm, I, I got this cool little list of like potential imaginative things and I'm going to throw them out there. And I was hopeful if you could just say what you think about them. Can we go for that? Let's do it. Okay. Let's do it. Okay. Techno sensory artistry. Exploring digital mediums that go beyond visuals and sound, allowing audiences to experience art through the senses of touch, smell, and taste. I love it. I think it's great. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard if you've heard of the this thing that they've opened recently called the Sphere. It's in okay. uh, Las Vegas. Okay. So it's this like massive dome. For anyone that doesn't know, it's this massive dome, huge, huge, absolutely enormous dome. It's covered in uh, LED panels. Right. So it's a massive screen. The whole exterior is a massive screen. Uh, and the interior as well is lined with uh, LED panels, uh, LCD panels. Sorry, I was saying LED, LCD panels. It's a massive screen on the inside as well. And they did their first uh, kind of opening show. I think it was last weekend or two weekends ago. And they had you two perform. Um, so you're kind of sitting in this theater, you know, usually you go to a concert, there's a stadium, everyone's sitting around and you're kind of staring at the mm -hmm. performer. Um, but in this situation, you're sitting inside of this theater, but the show is all around you. 
Like, yeah, U2 is performing down there on a stage, but there are like visuals happening. I mean, it is insane. It's absolutely insane. Um, it, it was started by uh, one of the co-founders is the uh, son of the person who started Madison Square Garden uh, in New York. And his plan is to open up you know, seven or eight of these spheres all around the world. He wants them in every major city and to keep expanding and developing the technology more and more. Um, because what he saw was people are, are not going to the movie theater anymore. You know, why should I go and lug my butt all the way to this building to stare at a screen when I can yeah. stare at a screen at home? You know, so people are like, oh, nobody wants to go out anymore. But that's not true. What he saw was that people do want to go out, but they want a full on experience. They don't want to stare at a screen. They want to feel the. they want to see the sights all around them, like going out into, you know, a field at night and seeing the stars all around you. They want to feel the wind, you know, so in the sphere, they have like wind wow. that comes through and like it, it goes with the music, you know, and they want to do like vibrations. You know, and like as they develop the technology, you know, they'll probably incorporate things like scent and other things. And you're with loads of other people. So that's community. So it's multi-sensory, yeah. but you need the technology, right? You need the technology kind of all around you. So I think it's great. I think it's a great idea. That's fascinating. I can't, I can't, I've seen pictures of it and, you know, it, it, re it reminds me of uh, reading some old textbooks where when people first went to the movies and they first had this moving picture, they saw this train coming and the whole audience got up and like ran away because they thought the train's going to come right to the screen at them. And we <laughs> laugh at that, but like, why wouldn't you think that? I think you've never seen that before. And in some ways it's exciting. Like maybe the sphere presents us with this, this novelty that we haven't had in so long. And like when it's novel, you're living and think, yeah, thanks. Glenn. Okay. So yeah. digital, echo chambers of emotion, how digital media combined with AI creates personalized emotional feedback loops, revolutionizing how we experience and express feelings. Hmm. Echo chambers of, of emotion. I think it's good. I can see it in two ways. I can okay. see that in two ways. I think to some degree you already have it. Okay. Right. Like whatever you're yeah. feeling, uh, you tend to feel for an extended period of time. Uh, you know, when people talk about filter bubbles, a lot of what's really happening is that your emotion dictates how you interact with things on the internet. And the algorithms learn to show you things based on how you interact with things on the internet. Yeah. Right. So like the algorithms, what they're doing is they're responding to your emotion. You know, if I am angry, you know, or let's say, you know, I'm working uh, at a job and I, I'm I'm concerned. I have a lot of anxiety for for whatever re or reason. You know, maybe I'm you know, I have anxiety about the economy. You know, like recently, you know, me and my, my partner were thinking about, you know, buying a house, you know, and I have anxiety around that. You know, so I've kind of been sucked down into a bit of digital echo chamber of, you know, anxiety about the economy and kind of everything that I've seen. And there's a whole kind of echo chamber around around that, you know, but if, if my emotion changes like it has this week, my emotion has absolutely changed. And I've completely kind of changed over the past three days of how, how I'm interacting with certain things and what I'm searching for 
and what I'm looking at. And now I'm in a completely different echo chamber of emotion. You know, right now I'm surrounded by an echo chamber of creativity and hopefulness and and things like that. So I think that there's a definite positive, um, but there's also, you know, the, the potential negative that people get trapped mm. because they think that that's all that exists. So as long as you walk into that echo chamber, knowing that there's a door for you to walk out of, I think I think it's fine because then you can sit with it and you can learn about it and you can respond to it better the next time. Yeah, I love it. You know, just on a, on a related side note, do you see your environment as a container? Uh, in what way? In what way do you mean? In that, like I, I speak to a lot of people in the world of well-being and sometimes they look at you're in this container when you go to get help, like you're in this medical container, or sometimes you're in this work container, but they add the word container. And as I began pondering that and thinking about that, I'm like, ah, that's a pretty good word because in some level, when you're around somebody, be it an echo chamber as sort of a container, like you are subject to the thoughts and feelings of the people in this space. So like these spaces mm -hmm. can be containers. I wonder if you've ever given that any thought. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I could give an example uh, from sure. today. So like, because I'm, you know, here in London, I don't live in London. I don't work in, 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 in London. I had to rent space from, for my team to work together. Um, so we rented a space in a WeWork uh, here, mm -hmm. here in Shoreditch and it's a container. <laughs> it is absolutely, <laughs> yeah. is absolutely a container. You know, while we were leaving today, you know, we're in the elevator going downstairs and I was like, man, I love this building. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what, like, you know, I, I feel I'm a relatively creative person, um, you know, and I try to keep that energy, energy with me, but like, man, being in that building with all of those different people, you know, walking past, you know, 20 different people to, you know, fill up my coffee cup and each one of those 20 different people, they're all working on different companies that are solving different problems in the world. That's a completely different container than a, a completely different space, you know, and how you're yeah. going to respond and how you're going to feel the ideas you're going to come up with, like the ideas my team came up with today. I, I like I, I was journaling uh, before that before we met and I was like, I wrote down like I am impressed, beyond impressed with what my team was able to come up with. Because we were in that container, I don't think we would have been able to do it. Honestly, we're all very talented, but I think you need to find the right container to achieve certain to, to achieve certain goals. I think I think that's very important. Yeah, me too. I I like my containers to have lots of psychedelics in them. I think that that's a yeah, pretty awesome. Absolutely. Container. <laughs> yes. Yes, please. <laughs> yeah. What? Maybe I can get like I I'm, I've been a big fan of finding ways to express myself in heightened states of awareness. And I think that there's something that you can really get in touch with at these heightened states. You know, for me, I've been a big fan of LSD and, and magic mushrooms and, you know, cannabis at times, but more of the magic mushrooms. And I, I found that it helps me see the world in a third person point of view, which is great for trauma. Like if you get into an event that is overwhelming and you can step yes. outside of it for a minute, like, oh, it's not my fault. Oh, that person was an asshole. I get it. It was, it was me too, but you know. What yeah. maybe you could speak to the idea of how heightened states of awareness have a relationship to creativity in your opinion? 
Yeah, I think you can't be creative unless you're aware of more okay. things, right? Like right. when I create, you know, something I notice, and this is something that I've seen a lot of people push. And I think to some degree, it's it's kind of helpful. You know, I think creativity, someone wrote art is a sport, <laughs> which I think was quite, which was quite interesting. What they meant was that when you think of a sport, when you think of someone who's an athlete, um, you know, LeBron James, you know, sure. playing basketball or, or, you know, Messi playing football. They can't perform unless they're performing every day, right? They got to go to the gym. They got to work out. They got to practice um, all those things. But at the same time, you can't learn if Messi, one thing that makes a great athlete is that they don't just show up to the gym and run the same drills over right. and over. They will get better at True. those drills. But what happens is that their opponents learn their the drills yep. that that athlete is very yep. good at. So the other part of being a great athlete is watching videos of what other people are doing, opening your awareness, yeah. and then using that to expand what you're doing. It's like, oh, okay, like, they're doing like that. Okay, how can I change my drill slightly to kind of incorporate what these other two people are, are doing? And that kind of helps you grow. So I think awareness, creativity, I don't think you could be creative without being aware of more things. I don't think it's possible. Yeah. I'm, all, I'm always reminded of the language when people talk about, you know, ever since a kid, I remember being young and like, oh, we're going to get high. Well, what happens when you get high? You have a different perspective. Like you're looking down at things. People talk about mm. going on a trip. Well, in a lot of ways, a psychedelic journey is a trip. Like you're seeing a different landscape, even though it's the, maybe you're noticing something for the first time. And anybody who's mm. been fortunate enough to travel, when you go somewhere else, like everything is a new, you're like, oh, that, that's what their fire hydrant looks like. That's weird. What is that over here? That's a stall for the bathroom right there, right there. You know, like what they go on a boat under that bridge. That's a small bridge. How come people are not so fat over here? You know, like you just see everything is new. And sometimes on a psychedelic journey or on a different diet, breath work, mm -hmm. there's all these ways we can find in order to see things differently they really create the ability for us to see something that we see every day in a new way. And I think that that is a really big, a great jump off point for creativity because when you can see something mundane as something unique, then now you almost have not only a, you almost have a, it's almost a necessity that you show it to somebody else. Like, hey, look mm -hmm. at this thing. And they're like, I've seen it a million times. You have. But have you seen this? You know? <laughs> that's yeah. creativity, right? Like, and that's that simple shift in focus can fundamentally change someone's point of view with something. Like, I think that's one, one reason why art is so important. It gives us that ability to shift perspective. Is that maybe, maybe yeah. let's talk a little bit more about your ideas about art? Like, who are some of your best greatest influences? Uh for art, I think my greatest influence is so cliche, but but Andy Warhol. Andy Warhol is probably one of my greatest influences. And of course, Duchamp. Duchamp is amazing. Like putting a signature on a toilet and calling it art. I think he questioned everything. You know, I like artists. I like the type of artists where a lot of people look at them and they're like, that's not art. 
<laughs> because they changed the conversation. Okay. You know, like what is art? You know, Duchamp looking at because Duchamp was a great artist. He was extremely talented. You know, people look back and they think about the toilet, but he was an an amazingly skilled painter. You know, he had a lot of technical abilities, but he was able to challenge things. He's like, yes, I can do this, and this is traditional. And if anyone looked at it and I pointed at it, they would say, yes, that is art. But I just put my signature on the toilet. Why isn't that art? Like, why can't that why can't that be art? So I think that's really a lot of my influences come from those types of those types of artists. One artist I also like that a lot of people don't <laughs> don't like. Mm. Um, he's done some questionable things, but like Jeff Koons. Mm. Um, I, I've Blue always dog. found his work very interesting because he came to art. He was an investment banker. Okay. You know, he was working on Wall Street and he saw the kind of financial thing of art. And, you know, to some degree, of course, he got into art to make money. But I got to talk to him once and he he saw art in a much more complex way. Like the interplay of there was mm. an artwork in how art is monetized like how the language of money oh, yeah. and the language of art came together to form a conversation. There was a whole questioning around, around that. Um, so yeah, I think the, those are, those are some, there's a small, small collection, I think of my, my top kind of inspirations. Okay. So when I think about the, the balloon dog, that was, that was his piece, right? Wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Isn't it fat? Like one of the reasons why I think that's so popular is that people can see themselves in that artwork. Like they look down and they see this reflection. It's all smooth and like there's no real, there's no real jagged edges. And like I can see the beauty of it in a way. But in my opinion, and and I'm I'm just a podcaster, and in some ways it's cheating to me. Like you're just getting people to like look at themselves. And I guess maybe that's why it's so awesome, you know. But I, for me, it brings up like this little bit of like, I see what you're doing here, but maybe that's just me. What, like, maybe you can speak to what you see in some, and maybe that sculpture and, and like the toilet, are these messages that you, like, what are some of the messages in the art that resonate with you from some of their pieces? Uh, so the balloon dog there, so there's a concept uh, okay. that's quite popular. It's, it's well, there's a, a thing in, con in uh, copyright law. Okay. That's uh if you are able to change 40% of a piece of work, um, and that 40% is, is somewhat subjective. Um, but like if I take Mickey Mouse, you know, Mickey, mm -hmm. there's a copyright on Mickey Mouse. I can't do anything with Mickey Mouse. But if I'm able to change it 40%, then I'm able to use it. It's fair use. <laughs> I can say that this make this version of this slightly modified version of Mickey Mouse is mine. Now, one powerful thing about that is that people like you can't change if you show someone something that they've that has absolutely no relation to anything they've ever seen, they're not going to respond well to it <laughs> <laughs> because there's no frame of reference. Right. 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 Like, that's a big thing with building products. If you build a product, well, I need to be able to message it to you in a way that you're going to be able to understand. 
Yeah. You know, like this is what the product is for. Uh, So like with art, it's kind of the same way. I think you have someone like Jeff Koons or you take like Damien Hurst with spots. Everyone has seen a circle. Right. But if you take a whole bunch of circles and you put them all together and you paint them all different colors and different combinations and you have all those different combinations on a massive wall, a 20 foot wall with all of these different circles. Everyone has seen circles. Everyone has seen colors. Everyone has seen circles of different colors. But if you kind of do it in that way, it completely changes. It changes your perspective and it kind of forces you to see things in a different way with Trump and the toilet. Everyone has seen the toilet. Everyone's seen a urinal. We all know what it looks like. But if I take it off the wall and I put it on a table and I put it in the middle of an art gallery, uh, there's another artist I like uh, quite a bit uh, who passed away recently, Virgil Abloh. And he said that the most important part of art is not the art itself, but the environment around the artwork right mm. like i don't know if you've ever been to the louvre but if you mona the mona lisa everyone knows kind of what the mona lisa is and what it looks like if you go to the room where the mona lisa is it's first of all the mona lisa is a lot smaller than you think um but it's in this room it's it's quite small but in the room there are massive <laughs> right across the wall on the opposite wall of the mona lisa there is a 20 foot tall painting it's 20 foot by like 40 foot it's a massive massive painting um but it's out there it's in the open it's on the wall you know it has some that that very large painting has has a gloss on it you know to protect the paint but the mona lisa it's set back so you can't get very close to it it's like shielded by you know bulletproof fireproof bombproof glass so it creates a certain environment Mm. so how you look at it is different from how you're going to look at something else. So you look at the balloon dog, everyone has seen a balloon dog, you know, clowns make it at birthday parties uh, and it's made of, you know, rubber, it's made of a balloon. But what if I made it out of metal and I made it 30 feet tall and I put it in a building? (laughs) Then what, then what are you going to think about it? Well, now I can't look at it the way I look at a balloon dog at a kid's party. I have to look at it completely differently, completely changes my frame of, of reference. So that's kind of what I like about art, like certain types of art. It has to be big, bold, but it has to have that kind of just 40% change where it's recognizable, but it's different enough that it forces you to see what you thought you knew differently. Thank you for that. It gives me a different perspective, man. And I appreciate t- I'm gonna now I got some people to look into, man. That's super cool. I uh you know, there's another aspect of of art that I have encountered. I got to go and, and see the the um here in Hawaii, and I think it's a traveling event. They have like uh uh starry night what they have like a van gogh museum but it's they they mm-hmm. shoot it onto the wall now and in some ways you get to walk and see these these paintings it's, it's pretty cool to go and like get to see it and i mm-hmm. really like the way in which it seems that 
as, as we're moving forward into the multimedia space, art is transforming with us. Like in some ways, we're getting to be part of the artwork in a little bit. It's all, you know what it's like? It's almost like a real life choose your own adventure book. Like you get to walk through there. You know what I mean? You're like, I think yes. I'm going to go this way. <laughs> no, we're like, we're, we're actually getting to be the characters in the novel now. Like, and, and in some ways that's what collab is in a way, right? Like it's, I think I think you're the perfect person to be leading this place, man. Because I, I see, I can see that. I can see the the love of the artwork, and I can see the way in which the user interface is a window in which I can collaborate with another artist. But maybe there's other ways. Yeah. Is, is there other ways we can be moving forward in this world of art and collaboration? Uh, man, so many ways. Anyway, any way that you could work with another person, I, I think you should take the opportunity, yeah. you know, whether it's, you know, being on another person's show like this or yeah, helping someone out, you know, yeah. with something that that they're working on. I think everyone is collaborating to some degree. I think you should find any way. I think first off, you know, I think the first off thing I would say for a lot of people is that everyone is collaborating. Yeah. You know, you should look at kind of what you're doing in the world, what you're currently working on, whatever job that it is, and you should have a, a deep respect for the people that you impact every day and how you impact them, because that that's a form of collaboration. You know, whether you're, you know, Amazon delivery driver delivering packages, that's a form of collaboration. You're collaborating with, you know, a seller, you know, 10 countries away, and you're collaborating with the person that needs the package delivered to them. I think there's so many different ways to to collaborate and sh people should find every opportunity as possible because what, at least from my perspective, yeah. what else is there? You know, I don't see my purpose on this planet to be here for myself and to make myself happy and to do things for myself. If I'm not helping someone else every single day do something, I, I don't really know what, <laughs> I don't really know how I spent the day. You know, so I think you yeah. should find as many opportunities to collaborate as possible. And I think having conversations is is an important one because so so many people benefit from it. Yeah. And and I do too. I think that we're moving into a world that's much more meaningful. And I love that. Like I, I really hope people I think it's missing in a lot of people's life. I know it's missing in mine at times, and I, I I'm constantly searching for it, but this idea of meaning. And, and it comes from getting to talk to people that you didn't even know are super awesome. And they're all around us and they're mirrors of you and they bring out everything. And so Charles this exceeded my, exceeded my expectations today. This is really, really cool, man. And I really appreciate the time and, and getting to, to learn and talk and make a new friend and, and see things differently. And you know what? Same, do, same. Yeah. Is there anything else that you would like to cover before we, Start winding, winding, uh, every, everyone go to streamyard.com slash collab go sign up go find interesting people yeah. be on someone's show start a show yourself start yeah. putting yourself out there you know one thing i tell everyone is that if you are a person on this earth and you have lived even an, an hour you have something to share you have a story that should be told you have something to say that can inspire someone that was in your shoes a day ago, a week ago, a month ago, a year ago, tell your story to, to anyone, to anyone that will listen, you are a value, no matter who you are, and, and people will love you. 
you you are loved. So so get out there yeah. and start collaborating with people. Yeah, and I use, you know, what I really like about StreamYard. There's a lot, a lot of things I like about it, but I love the idea of streaming. And I think it harkens back to this idea of authenticity. I think it harkens mm -hmm. back to this idea of artistry. And I think it's something that AI is going to help us be able to do in a way. And it helps people see that these are all tools around us. And, mm -hmm. and, it, and it combines with the idea of the present moment. You know, yesterday was the yeah. past. Tomorrow's the future. Today's a gift. That's why they call it the present. And you can be in the present when you're streaming. You have an opportunity to talk to people and stream your ideas out there. So... I think that streaming for people that are getting into the multimedia is the next it's the next space race because you're in the now, you're in the present and you can communicate at the time. So Charles Pontiac, everyone should go to StreamYard and check everything out. It's a great product. Is is there any is there any little teasers you can give us with what might be coming out on StreamYard soon? Um, oh, there's so much. There's so much. I don't know how much I'm allowed to say because okay, so much know, is kept is kept on the wraps. But the product is is getting better every single day. We have a lot of features coming out that's going to help make creating content, getting started, a lot easier. You know, that's been a big hurdle for a lot yeah. of people. There are many people that are you know easily motivated and they come up with loads of ideas. You know, but a lot of a struggle to come yeah. up with really good ideas. Um, and even when we do come up with good ideas and actually create something. I think the post-production process, you know, editing videos and getting the audio right and chopping it up and, you know, repurposing it and getting it onto other platforms so that, you know, our message can grow and, and be seen by more people. I think that's a struggle that many people, uh, that's something that a lot of people have been struggling with. So we have a lot of features coming out to help with the post-production flow and collab as well. We have a lot of new innovative ways uh, that we're going to be changing the product to help make it easier help make it easier for you to find the right people you know everyone is super yeah. dynamic it has so many different interests that's something that we're we're learning every day and improving the product and improving how we recommend people to each other and making it easier for you to reach out to that person to have a valuable conversation you know you don't want to waste your time so to have really valuable conversations as quickly as possible and and to get on screen to get on screen looking in another person's eyes and and having that conversation as quickly as possible. So yeah, go sign up, go sign up now. We're releasing stuff every single week. Yeah. So you don't want to miss it. <laughs> yeah. Get out there. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening, if you're watching this, I use StreamYard all the time. It's a great product. I've had It's changed my life in some ways. Streaming, becoming a podcaster, getting to meet fascinating people from around the world has changed my life, my relationships, and the way I see the world. So I would encourage everyone to get out there and start Start playing around and becoming the best version of yourself. So, well, Charles, hang on one momentarily afterwards. I want to talk to you briefly afterwards. But ladies right. and gentlemen, so stoked you guys are here today. And like I said in the beginning of the podcast, you may not know it yet, but there's a small miracle waiting to happen to you today. That's all we got, ladies and gentlemen. Aloha. Yeah. All right. Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge, and I did. 
I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now, and it's been so rewarding to me that I just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true, but you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision, and I hope you all conquer it. And I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.